episode 21. Uh, have you listened to all of them? Yeah. I That's have. what Pastors can drink. That's what Pastors is 21 now. Oh, can drink. Can drink. I was like, it's not Lent yet. Yeah, I can't I drink another two days. After. I am making up for both of you, apparently. Dude, uh, <laughs> Lent can't come, or Easter can't come fast enough. But you always uh, feel like you're sick of Lent by week six. Yeah. By, by I'm always six, like, like man, I'm always goal for two weeks. I probably and I'm like, weeks. man, I'm mean, like, I'm feeling, you know, I'm glad I'm giving this up. And now I'm just like, does uh, it even really matter anymore? Uh, I start like going back to like my, my uber Protestant roots. Like, I don't even right. celebrate mine. I, I can stop right now. I can just stop right now. Catholics. Yeah, Catholics. <laughs> I do get like that. Although my big thing this week, and it's really a bad attitude really, but it's been thinking about Easter because I have to preach this Easter. And we do champagne toast. And usually I just drink way too much champagne and mimosas. <laughs> Uh, our sound guy's like, Justin, mimosa me, and the whole time, and so we're drinking mimosas, and Jason's doing whatever he's doing, and... Making sure that things... <laughs> Jason is decidedly not drunk, <laughs> And this time I had to preach, and I was like, I had this long, like, man, I'm tired of this, you know, there's gonna be new people there, I need to make it better. I was like, this is our day, this is our day to celebrate, they're coming into my thing, I don't even care. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So anyways, not my favorite, but I get to start drinking soon, which is nice. Um... So we're joined today by Evan. Hey, how do you say your last name? Cons. Like concentration or concentration. Cons, not conks. I think it's like conks show. If that's what it looks like, oh, okay. and it doesn't make any sense. It's Slovenian for a piece of thread. So it's really Ooh. It's a power name. <laughs> piece of thread. Yeah, it's like the Slovene version of Taylor. And that's like I know a dude with the last name C O. Oh, K-O-C-H-S. I'm like, it's Cox, right? <laughs> it's not Cox. It's Cooks. Cooks. And I'm like, that's not Cooks. <laughs> I can read! I can read. <laughs> um, so, uh, right before this, we were talking about our favorite cartoon character crushes. Um, and what I... Well, it started by because the they made um, Zelda and the New Legend of Zelda game like really pretty. But she's 17, so we're all going to... I Jessica just, Rabbit was mine. I remember seeing that. Well, Jessica Rabbit's supposed to be. And I would, but I know, but I remember seeing that and be like, I didn't know animators could draw things like this. Uh, and I actually started... In seventh grade, I used to draw... There was this guy named Ty, uh, and he was like, Hey, man, you're a pretty good drawer. Can you draw me a naked lady? And I would draw him naked lady. <laughs> and he would give me, like, you know, quarters from his lunch money you're or something like that. <laughs> I know. I was probably the worst naked ladies ever. And I also didn't really understand the anatomy of a naked right. lady either. So I was making things up. I was like, this Ew. seems like something that might not Here's be there. Where the tentacles come out. <laughs> I really, I was so like, I had nothing in seventh grade. I knew nothing. I was like, you were, I don't know. I know, I know. There's nothing there. So we'll just draw nothing there. You were small town like North Carolina's version of Larry Flint. I went up from North Carolina. I'm from Virginia. Oh, sorry. Yes. This draw is really is a really important boundary. It is an important there. boundary. Just like Ohio and Kentucky, Virginia, and North Carolina. <laughs> um, uh, and then what was the other one? Remember Cool World with Brad Pitt and Kim Basinger was oh, like animated. I, I remember that thinking one. that one was like wow. That. And then there's Kathy. All the Disney princesses. Yeah. I saw a dude. We went to Disney World with our kids. A couple oh, the years Disney ago. princesses, right? We went to Disney with our kids a couple, and I saw a dude being a dude our age being really over the top creepy with Merida from Brave, and oh. she she's cute, right? And she's like twenty four and red hair and beautiful in the Scottish dress and everything. 
and I video and I was like, hey man, your your kids and my kids are watching, so I'm gonna back that off a little bit. So uh, you gonna go to the Highland dance after this? Cause uh, I'll take you. <laughs> I remember Snow White in Germany, and Graydon was speaking German to her, and she sat and mm-hmm. because he could speak German, sat and talked all the time. And I'm like, oh, you're really good. I can't believe she actually could speak German. I was like, well those done, Disney. Disney. Folks, those Disney folks are. I mean, that's a job. Mm. You know, those aren't like teenagers getting jobs like we do at Kings Island. Is Pocahontas an official princess? Yeah. Yes. Has to be right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like she's. I think she's kind of token, but she's official. Right. Well, and they had that one from the Prince and the Frog or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That that feels like they came out of out of nowhere just to have. Uh, There's a new one, though, isn't there? Well, you know what's it? Princess Leia. Princess Leia. Is you know she an official princess, though? I, I've seen Is her. she in that catalog? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is because there was a big controversy when they made Merida one of the Disney princesses because they sexualized her. Like, her, her dress came off the shoulders. She was way more developed than she was in the cartoon. And so mm. there was this big controversy about why is it that you have to create this particular image of things, which... The answer is because that image sells. Like we know. That Ooh, I wonder. I'm pretty sure there's probably gonna be like a, like a heavy set, princess soon, right? I feel like that's yeah. like sort of our. You overestimate Disney's. Disney's not committed to any social justice oh. action. Disney's committed to making money, and that's all. Uh, and like a drag to. Disney princess. If they feel like they can make money on it, yeah. <laughs> right, but that's yeah. or they sort of started with uh, Beauty and the Beast, right? But the, right, that's the <laughs> this only big controversy. And, yeah, man. I I was talking with somebody who was going to uh, like refuse to see Beauty and the Beast. Hold on, you and actually I, know like, a person? Because our theory we thought it was made up. We thought it was made up. Oh no, no, she really was going to. And I'm like, why? Have you ever? Because she didn't want to turn uh, gay. A, yeah. <laughs> there really is nothing at the end of the movie. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just like, have you ever like, have you ever watched a movie where somebody got killed? Yeah. How? Like, even if. Even if you are saying that homosexuality is a sin, you've watched movies where people get murdered. <laughs> or, or can, like, but the, I think it's got to be more than in that theology or that worldview. It's got to be more than just that it's a sin. They treat it like it's contagious. Like, yeah. Like, I'm, if I take my kids to watch this, the kids are going to turn gay. Or like me. the theater that's quoted is like, I we could never show a movie here that Jesus wouldn't sit down next. I'm like, well, what movies are you showing? What are you showing? And right. being successful. <laughs> so, what kind of people did Jesus sit down next to? Right. Well, and there literally is nothing in the movie. Like, literally. 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 Like, they, 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 like, fall in each other's arms and they look at each other. And, like, the whole time, I'm like, I think it's kind of interesting and funny and correct that they made this character gay because in the cartoon, it's a dude who is overly obsessed with the most handsome guy in town. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. yeah." But, like, Jason's thing is... It's patronizing. It's more patronizing than it is, like, affirmative to... Uh, homosexuals, it's it's more like, oh, well, how come the silly, dumb character is the gay guy? Well, they yeah. use this controversy to hype what is otherwise an okay movie. It's not a great movie. I didn't love the movie. Well, it's the same thing as the other one. I thought it was really well done. Right, right yeah, yeah, they did. I but, liked it. But I didn't yeah. walk away from it emotionally invested. I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, now, my wife loved it, which made my theory that this movie was aimed at women who this movie came out when they were teenage oh, girls. Yeah, That's who the movie's aimed at. I mean, it's my favorite Disney cartoon. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I went I Lion think, King, oh man. Well, oh, actually, yeah. it's really Robin Hood, the old one with the foxes. But yes, that is Before that, and it has it's Lion, I love Lion King. That was my first date. I think date. Aladdin would have been mine. I liked Aladdin. I took a girl to a date to Lion King, and we, like, yeah. cried watching... Mufasa die and I'm like it was it was gold it worked yeah. out because she was like you're so sensitive we should uh, we should introduce Evan oh yeah sorry 
Sorry. I don't know how you're planning on introducing me because like, uh, I, I, I have a thought. Dude. We could do a whole series now of token blank friends. Ooh, <laughs> like that could be our next series. We'd so, be our token atheist friend, and you're our token podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs> the guy. You're, so the, you're the guy. Here's Evan, uh, which is interesting because I've before I guess the last couple of weeks, anyways, I've met you let's say a dozen times at Red Tree. Um, been in really good conversations with you and other Red Tree customers, and um, interestingly enough, I I always try to, and no Red Tree customers listen to this except for you probably, so it doesn't really matter, but when I'm talking to people and we get into deeper conversations, I'm always trying to hear like what position they are representing, especially from a, whether it's a Christian or non-Christian or religious or non-religious, uh, and that one time, I think the first time we really got in a big conversation with like Tom and uh nick, nick yeah. and there was someone else they were talking about the atheist questions remember like if you're a christian you probably answer these questions wrong oh, sort of deal yeah i don't understand um, how that is but i place, couldn't but... uh well played because i couldn't place you i remember thinking like oh, is he or is he not i can't because <laughs> the other ones i can tell okay no 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 Ugh, yes and then like I don't know. And uh, so it wasn't until you told me later, and then I forgot the fact and had to be reminded of again, which is common in my life, um, uh, that you went to uh, another church, uh, Echo, mm -hmm. which is our friend Steve Carr, which is um, the only, what, two people, there's two people ever who told us, yeah. hey, you guys can do this, and he was yeah. one of them. Um, interestingly, maybe not interestingly, I shouldn't start with that, but I have been meaning to tell you uh, you know, I've heard you guys talking about wrestling here. Do you know Steve? Yes. And uh, you've, you've listened to it? Yeah. Leadership Suplex. Why? Do, do you know Aaron Burgess? Yeah, I know Aaron. Steve and Aaron uh, have a podcast where they mostly geek out about wrestling, but it's like... Really? It's I didn't know wrestling and it's leadership. It's got just like leadership context to yeah. like lessons in leadership from pro wrestling. <laughs> they, get some, they get some, you know, good thoughts out there. Do they there, get wrestling guests? They haven't yet. I feel like that. Uh, they're you working on tell Dean Steve that there is a CCU alum who wrestles whatever the like minor Cincinnati league is. It's called HWA. He is like he's real high up. He's one of the announcers and judges, but he also is a character who will get into the ring every now and then and oh, get sweet. hit and fought. Um, he was a dude who went to CCU. We actually, uh, my friend Nate was a roommate with him, and. Uh, this like real serious, real tall, real tall guy. He's not like, I, I think my definition is country strong. He's not like buff. He's just kind of a big guy, and real serious, no nonsense. He was like in a counseling degree, and like would always just try to give us young kids direction because he was <laughs> older than us. Mm. And one day, <laughs> we walked into his room to ask him something. We're like, "Hey, Kurt!" And we opened the door because we're just like stupid college kids, just like barging in people's rooms. And you would have thought we caught him like with porn or something. He has a box next to his room of wrestling figures, and he was had them on his chest, <laughs> and he was like announcing, like I'm from the top rope, and he was like saying all this stuff. And we walked in, he was like, <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, and we're like pointing and laughing. That's because, awesome. Uh, so Josh is not really into pro wrestling, but that's like my family's really into. Josh yeah. will hang out and watch it, but my family, oh yeah, it, you know, my family's dedicated to it. When and we were little, it was. It was cool, like cartoons. Like everyone yeah. knew all the character, Hulk Hogan. Everyone knew yeah. it, whether you were into it or not. So it's a part of my childhood, at least. Yeah, and uh, like I've gone to WrestleMania at Steve's house the past two years, but when I was the age in which I should have been getting into wrestling, and in fact, all my 
friends were getting into wrestling, I was the scrawny one that they were all beating up on. So, like, mm. I just hated it. Well, my dad was a wrestling coach in college, and that's how he actually went through college is by wrestling. And so he was always that guy. He's like, well, yeah, this is not real wrestling. I'm like, but I hated real wrestling, too, because he made me do it in seventh grade. And I was teeny tiny. My son Foster is, like, the exact same physique. He's, like, small as I was. And he was, like, and I would just get cradled and pinned right. every time. I'd be on the top of the bottom, whatever else. They would just push me down. I was like, I hate this. Speaking of cartoons, you should look up the Teen Titans Go, where they all get into wrestling. Like the... The newest one. The new, okay. And then, then Cyborg is, like, defending the noble sport of, like, Greco-Roman wrestling. And then they're all trying to do it. Like, it, they, they're trying to mix the two together. And it's... I, I didn't know that everybody hates the new Teen Titans Go. Like, it is... Everybody derides on the internet. It is... Because the old... The email one was really oh, good, I guess. Well, that's because everyone who loved the old one are, like... How old are you? 30. Okay. So they're probably, like, 25 right now. The people who are probably like doing the most internet talking, they love that original yeah. one because it was yeah real serious. Real dark. The newest one is consistently the funniest <laughs> show I watch. It's so silly. It and is actually. I, it's almost. It. It's on par with like Phineas and Ferb or these other shows that you can watch as adults and yeah. still laugh and know that there's I jokes for you are, and jokes for your kids. It's more cynical than Phineas and Ferb is though. Phineas yeah. and Ferb is so positive. Yeah. I read a Catholic review of Phineas and Ferb and it talked about this, this fierceness of. Like fierceness of hope or fierceness of, I don't want to say positivity, but was it about but how the show was like or like defiantly optimistic as opposed to like The Simpsons, which is so cynical. Mm. And the guy was like saying this isn't a criticism of The Simpsons, which I really like, but to watch something like Phineas and Ferb, where even the bad guys you love and they're good hearted. Buford, it was, yeah, they, that was his point. The, the bullet Buford is such a good character, and he went through it. It was a real. He went through this long treatise about why Phineas and Ferb is. Is but really really is that also an, an evolution of our just modern society? Like you know, we were Friends was sarcastic, like a right. sarcastic show in Seinfeld and right. Simpsons. That was how we were, and now everything seems to tend towards. Well, he would say that he's okay. I don't think Phineas. And Ferb, I don't think he would say that, and I think he's probably right. I don't think Phineas and Ferb has a peer. I don't think anything else is that just overwhelmingly right. You're positive. Right. Although, have you seen the new one with Weird Al? So it's called the uh, Event of Milo's no. World or the Adventures of Milo or something like that. It's right. the same animators and the same creators, Phineas and Ferb, but Weird Al's doing the writing and the voice acting. Hmm. And Weird Al's another guy in that vein of always overly positive. Oh, yeah. Never cynical, never angry, never yeah. mean. Right. The only time you ever hear him cuss is on that one Ben Folds song. Right. Like, <laughs> well, and he, well, he, I listen to him a lot on this, on Comedy Bang Bang. He's on at least twice or three times a season, so he's on a lot of episodes. And yeah, always like... Because that show is like, hey, we can do whatever. There's no limits to what we can say. And, and he's, he's always been, just he's been funny and a good years. dude. For 40 years, he's been positive and funny and outgoing and viral. He was viral before there was any... And he rocks that perm. That's not rocking the perm. Not ashamed at all. This is my plays deal, the, dude. Plays the accordion. Like, he's just a strange dude. <laughs> yeah. But brilliant in his own way. Yeah. And the only, other, the only other band of our lifetime that can look at that sort of longevity is you two. Uh-huh. So back Thanks. to Evan. So the one reason I wanted to have him on the podcast, because uh, he came up, and I was actually surprised by this. I'm actually surprised when anyone says they listen to the right. podcast, right. which is cool. Uh, but he's like, oh, I listened to all the episodes of Bastard Pastors. And I was like, what? This is awesome. Uh, so no. we're, you know, starting our new line of swag that we can, like, start <laughs> handing out to people. We should, with your face on Ooh, it. I got, a, I got an email from a guy the other day that was... That is friends with a mutual friend of ours. It was like he's a digital strategist. He's like, he's like, I can get this to ten thousand people. He said, he said, if you do this, like there's steps. That and you give out beards like that look like yours. <laughs> That's yeah, what you luck. get. You get a beard. 
We get like a dead squirrel, I know, basically. I'll, I'll and... pluck one beer beard hair and send it to you in a, case, <laughs> oh. in a case if you donate money. You guys will be huge in Japan, then. There's a market. For I'll that. take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Japan has some weird stuff, man. Every time somebody talks to me about like how decadent Western culture, I'm like, yeah, talk to me. Talk to me when you've reconciled what comes out of East Asia. It's yeah. the most decadent and perverse culture in the world. <laughs> and I know you're not allowed to say that. But it's true. Yeah, they got some weird stuff. Don't they have, like, vending machines with, like, girls' underwears and, and stuff I've on it? I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. But, yeah. I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to pretend that it's true now. And, um, I mean, yeah. Uh, it, so it is. dark. So the first question I have for you, Evan. Yes, sir. And then we can talk about whatever. Is, so, since you've never been to Legend, but you've listened to the podcast, I want you to paint a picture of what you think... <laughs> legend is like based on well us. and you can say whatever we really don't care it's going to hell <laughs> well and that's true <laughs> they come with that understanding anyways a couple of drunkards who go so far as to marry gay people oh yeah it's true these things we all know <laughs> <laughs> um no uh what my my impression of legend is that there is um a very exciting emphasis on community which is kind of my bag like I think it's good to like there are different problems between small churches and big churches and you guys have talked about this how like uh, you know mega churches can uh, do like affect change that a church like yours or like Echo which is week to week even smaller in numbers than legend um like they're doing things that we can't do but um but the what what uh, i was actually just talking with some of the guys from my church last night about like what a home church is and the conclusion i came to was like that's where you have your investments in relationships right. um so and that's that's huge to me and and getting a little bit selfish like uh, you know I I work in community like that's like getting Ooh, getting we'll talk people about where you work in a second because that's I love it okay yeah um yeah I, I think that would be good um but you know I, I work with people who generally get pushed to uh you know they they just get pushed outside of basic community right um and if you are a person like that and you go to a big church you can hang out there and it's big enough that nobody feels like they have to talk to you right um but a smaller group of people is more likely to actually include uh somebody who otherwise would remain invisible yeah, and you, so Evan works at Starfire Council. Oh. Is that is that yeah. the technical term, Starfire Council, or yeah. do you say Starfire? I just say Starfire. Um, it is, yes. Which I think... Starfire Council of Greater Cincinnati. And then uh, Tim, who uh, runs a lot of Starfire, he always, is every time I start talking about it when he comes in, he's like, no, I want to hear you, how you describe it. So this is how I describe it, and he says it's not bad. Um, but it, I think it's actually one of the coolest organizations in the city that I've actually gotten seen grow so they've always met at Red Tree since like 2008 like people were coming in in groups and right when Tim started sort of 
ha- I guess it got kind of thrown on him, right? The guy, like, the guy kind of, ra- it was yeah. run to the ground, and they was like, okay, hey, we're going to close soon. You're in charge now, whatever. And he turned it around to something yeah. amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the whole story of how that transition happened. Um, I started in, like, 2014. Right. Um, uh, but Tim has been fearless and, and really dogged, and, like, we... We started out as a day program for adults right. with disabilities. And it was originally for people with mental disabilities and and treated what we might typically have thought of like, okay, well, this is where we send people like that, right? Right. That's, yeah, that's the original, the, the and, which the wasn't horrible, is, yeah, it's, it's but that's a, not what it is anymore. It's a safe place for, um, you know, your adult son or daughter to go. From moderate to severe, and, correct? Yeah, I mean, um, we... Our our limitation is that we don't provide any sort of like medical uh, assistance. Right. Um, but we've had people, um, you know, involved who needed that, and they just had another staff with them. Right. But um. Uh, but it's you know like it was a safe place to go. We would have different activities. We would get out in the neighborhood, go to coffee shops, um. And. Uh, and Tim was just sick of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you're still just like, there are all these great people who have so much to offer. Right. And they need, you know, like, eventually, these, these are adults. Eventually, their parents are going to be gone. You know, who knows what their family situation is. And then they're going to have nobody except the state. Right, you know. and and so he took it to say, "Hey, we're not a place that just takes care of people with mental disabilities anymore. We're a place of community integration." So, exactly. uh, these are people who are we all think, "Oh, it's cute to go help out or they're there," but we're not inviting them to our house to have dinner. We're not hanging out with them. We're not going bowling with them. We're not having right. game nights or movie nights with them. We've marginalized them to the side. And his whole thing is. Because I remember he even talked about, because you guys have this really cool building, he was like, I even don't love this building because it makes things come here. And he's like, I want everyone out. And so a lot of what your job is, is to get people who are at Starfire into, hey, let's go meet people. Let's go hang out. Like you're meeting beer people right now because one of the guys right, Mike, you're with loves. Michael uh, is, yeah, it, Michael, he works at, uh, at Mad Tree in 50 West and uh, Catch a Fire Pizza inside Mad Tree. And, uh, and I mean, they're those those are the people inclusion aside i mean those are the people really doing god's work in cincinnati mm-hmm. making delicious beer <laughs> and pizza but um uh yeah and like working with mike like he's he has a lot of great connections in the industry like we are working on uh on this project where we're going to be uh interviewing different um different brewers around around the city and talking about the brewing community because there are just a shit ton of breweries <laughs> There's a lot. in Cincinnati. Didn't, we count them? Didn't you have a list the other day? It's uh, over it's like, 30. It's like 30. It's like, I know two more that are opening this summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and Does it that should be totally Grainworks. Cut. Yeah. Grainworks. There's Little Miami up in uh, Milford. Is gonna be well, that's the new up. The new wave is all the, as you you make brewery, the breweries have to go outside of 275. Because there's a lot of money and people out there that aren't willing to drive into the city to go yeah. to anything. And, and then, to be fair, they can't drink and drive so, either. So I know this is not is off topic, but does this is this better or worse for places like uh, Sam Adams, Moorline, these bigger places? They'll never be touched by this, or is that? 
Uh, Sam Adams is a is a good example because Jim Cook or Coke or however he pronounces oh, his last he name. Oh, is K O C H? Yeah. Yeah, he's ah. K O C H. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it comes um, around full circle. He's from Cincinnati, actually, yeah. but he you know, he owns Boston Beer Company. He's involved he's, with the Cincinnati Brewing scene though. He was at the Beer Baron Ball a couple years ago. He's finally getting there. Like yeah. they've been you know, most of Boston Lager is produced right here. Right, right. And they've been kind of embarrassed about it. But if you see the latest Sam Adams commercial, you'll see a dude wearing a hoodie that says Sam Adams, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. And I think they're going to be opening a tap room. They just released the 513. Yeah. I think it's a lager. Yep. Anyway. Uh, a friend of ours is it too saying, little too late, though? No, because the, the difference is, is they're not competing with each other because they're still just 1% of the market. All the all the market share is to be stolen from Budweiser, Miller, Miller Lite. Right. Like, now, you can't make yeah. any money taking a customer from Brian Guys if you're Matchery. You can make a lot of money taking customers away from Budweiser. Right. I don't know if you can do that, like, man. My blue-collar neighbors would, they just, I'll have a lift, which is like Matchery, they'll be yeah. like, oh, that's true. <laughs> and they're like, they'll, my, my neighbor will actually <laughs> bring fair, them to my house. Like, three hey, bucks a can. Someone, someone <laughs> uh, thought knew I like beer and bought me this. You can have it all. It's disgusting. I tried one. He tried like a gnarly brown. He's like, I almost puked. Do you know what He's Bud like, Bud Light, man. Bud Light's on quarter a can. Yeah. <laughs> that's an easy sell yeah he's like you're paying nine dollars every time you get a six pack i'm like yeah he's like i just got 24 for nine dollars yep. i'm like yeah. i know but you probably have to drink all this 24 and i have to drink all these six and we'll probably be around the same i don't know man I just sam adams is a little bit at risk yeah. um but they're really supportive yeah yeah i mean like there was they had a bit of a a, a bit of a tiff with uh lagunitas mm. a couple years back Everybody's um, fighting for shelf space now, right. right? Five years ago, ten years ago, Sam Adams was the only crap beer on the shelf. Right, and that's why they're the ones hurting, because they're the ones, you go to a bar, and you're like, I don't want to be seen drinking Bud Light or Coors or whatever, so I'm going to be artsy and get... Oh, yeah, there is times where like there's not a lot of off off options. It's like Budweiser or like Sam Adams, so you go right. for I will still now. proudly drink a Budweiser. I, yeah. Just proudly and every time. Miller High Life for me, man. Dude, when I go to Oakley Bubble Girl, they're like $2 Miller Lights. I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting the $2 so, Miller Lights. <laughs> we had a WrestleMania party here, and there was a cooler on my back deck where we were watching wrestling at, and yeah. like there was... Jared, I think, brought an 18-pack of Founders All-Day IPA, and the mm. Cables brought over an 18-pack We brought, of like, Budweiser. Strawberry Pig and Lyft. The Budweiser is gone, and a bunch of the Founders are still there. That's but Budweiser's a good WrestleMania kind of beer. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, it's it's a says, stone cold it says America beer. on it's it, so... It's a stone-cold beer. <laughs> um, hey, is Tim, is Tim a Christian? He is. I always feel like he is, but he's because he's really good at his job. He's not going to overplay any card. He's just gonna be like. Eh. So if you guys don't know right. Starfire, um, yeah, I sorry, feel like you... I get a, I have a reputation as well deserved of being headstrong, and I don't follow very well. Tim is one of the few people in this city that if he told me to jump tomorrow, I would say yeah. like immediately. He's the nicest guy in the world, but when you meet him, you're like you have an iron, you have an iron back. I would do whatever Tim yeah. told me without question. If Legend fell apart tomorrow and I had to get a job outside of ministry. Tim would be the first person I would go ask to work for because he's the kind of dude I would, I would matter what he was doing I will work for this dude yeah yeah no it's a, and it's an amazing organization they're doing awesome things in the city they do a lot of like almost like TED talk kind of things a lot yeah um, uh, every week actually we do have like a community inclusion brainstorming session it's it, it's scheduled in sort of a, a helix pattern it's like Monday morning the first week Tuesday afternoon second week Wednesday morning Thursday and then like doubles back so uh so you catch everybody yeah but yeah and uh and it's open to whoever wants to be there it's a great way like if you have a project you know we get a lot of people from like people's liberty who 
re like they've got they got their grant money they've got this great idea and they're trying to get it implemented a lot of times they'll show they'll show up and, and we will just like be like yeah uh, we know you know like whoever you know scott knows this guy this guy and this guy let's get you hooked up yeah and you know yeah we'll partner with you on it's it. cool it's great um and tim is man like he his heart stays soft and fiery yeah um he's been at this for a long time and it's it's uh very encouraging and, and very impressive well the word the word vision's gotten thrown around so cheaply and loosely for the last 20 years that i want nothing to do with it tim is a visionary in the truest sense of the word and a dude that just he's not compromising on that like there's just no there's forward and you're welcome to partner with him if you'd like to go forward mm-hmm. and if not yeah. man, good luck to you he's not and it really yeah. i mean oh, it yeah. opened he's, my eyes to the it's a fact i mean we can i'll talk a lot about you know in private conversations about our church and be like oh i wish that we were have more black people i wish we had more hispanics i there's a, i met a whole korean church and it seemed like their leadership was all going to go it's like what can i do to get all of these korean people to come to our church because i'd love to have a multi-ethnic church yeah. but never once in that I've even thought I want gay people at our church and with this like never once I think oh I want someone with mental disabilities at our church because and but Tim's got me to open up to like man we don't do anything like we don't do anything to really because there's there otherwise it's like it's almost like our we have a couple senior citizens that are in the home and like when people get upset about how they act it's like they're home all day by themselves mm-hmm. they have we uh elsie who was on that one podcast yeah. oh, man. she that. listens to that podcast every we day. jason burned her a cd of it mm-hmm. every day probably at least twice a day every day huh. because that's all she has time to do she has nothing to do so she just listens to the same disc she doesn't want any new ones <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to any of the other ones she doesn't want any I new really ones want to meet Elsie. Uh, <laughs> And that's yeah. I, that's another reason why I'm glad that I'm here because I feel like I feel like I'm in on all of these like inside jokes that I'm not supposed to just having listened. To. <laughs> but you probably uh, know more about our church than have to be like go there. Yeah, there's, there's like 30 people, so I think we have consistently but, like 50 leaders, 50 listeners on this. All yeah. right. But every time I meet one of you, I'm one like, of you. Oh crap! That means someone in the church isn't listening. It doesn't know who we're making fun of, and because I always think, oh, even when we make a joke about somebody, it's in the context of all oh, that they know who we are. Oh, it's yeah. okay. Oh, you should see how many times people like. So who were you talking about me? <laughs> well, who are you talking about? I just I'm go. Like, uh. Or sometimes they'll guess. I'm like, no, we don't talk about that at all. <laughs> and like, like, oh, I thought that was that. I was like, well. Well, stop thinking. Stop. Just stop thinking. <laughs> but so you said you there you guys don't do anything uh, for for like people with disabilities, right? And like, I don't think that is a problem. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure Crossroads has like a support group for parents right. with a son or daughter with a disability, um, which is smart. That that makes sense because it's. It, you know there are a lot of challenges that go along with that but you know having like a ministry right for and i don't think that i just just like just in the same context i wish we had everything i was like i wish we just had everyone represented like i wish we were a church that really because i'm one of our issues really actually is we're not a church where anyone is really i mean there's a few people i can think of really who are saying hey come to our church that's not really our mo and in some ways good in some ways bad um but it's actually made me think about it. I think all communities are innately insular. All communities are innately self-protective. I, yeah. And you have to be intentional to not be that way. Right. And you also have to break things to not be that way. Yeah. And I think, like, I think it can just be, uh, it makes sense to have, 
have your community where again, where you just have time and invested in right. relationships like that makes sense and where you feel like you can be yourself and, and say the things that, right. that you really want to say um, like on Easter yes I'm trying man it's I've been, like I've been trying so hard to get uh, David our, our pastor to um, to slip D's nuts into his Easter sermon but I don't think he's going to do it mm. I think he's making it a goal that. for it would take nothing we, I did a Missy Misdemeanor flip, flip it upside uh, What it, I did a Missy Misdemeanor quote that I didn't mean to do the other day which isn't bad unless you know the song is Stephanie Cable I was like oh we're going to take that because um, what does she say you got a big thing let me work it put my thing down flip it and reverse it I was like let's put our thing down flip it and reverse it and uh, and <laughs> Stephanie Cable was like uh, I know what that means. It's like, oh yeah, I guess that does mean something pretty sexual. <laughs> Let's put our thing down, flip it, and reverse it. I left the room. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I I recently with one of my community partners, Scott, who is like just this awesome, awesome dude, um, and like he has a heart for worship. He's an organist, um, and like, but he's just he's had, um, he's had some not so great experiences with the church mm. um just people not knowing how to take them seriously because he rocks back and forth sometimes talks too loud sometimes you know they're they're like they're physical things that that make that make people not want to approach him mm -hmm. and it is a damn shame for him first of all and also for them um and so we've been investing in um this this men's group uh in price hill uh that's like it's a bunch of really cool dudes it's also way they're way way more conservative than i am which what is, church is that with is that with uh velocity velocity steve uh steven staten staten velocity yeah really cool dude and uh a lot of the people who go to the church are like in recovery addiction recovery mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel been, like with that crowd, it always tends on a more conservative because I guess yeah. they really need those or want those rules. And yeah, it's, it's reactionary to, right. to something, and it's understandable. And spending time with people who view things very differently. I mean, like, there have been, there have been things said by... Uh, uh, there's one guy in particular who's said things that, like, were definitely sexist and, and definitely racist, and I want... You know, like, I would get, like, angry, and then I would also then get to know him and, and you know, see what he's dealing with and, and, like, where he is and the victory that he's had in the past, you know, week, month, right. whatever, mm -hmm. and the physical pain that he's dealing with and, like, all of these things. And, and uh, that helps me to realize, like, even though I'm not totally comfortable, there are things that, in this group, it wouldn't be beneficial, even though I think I'm saying the truth it wouldn't necessarily be beneficial to these people to right. hear this right now because they are working through you know like god's working on them he's meeting them where they are at right and that has been a really good lesson for me being outside of my home church and being with my i, I, I don't generally use really like christian -y words but like being with my brothers and sisters like right. i want to i want to start seeing them that mm. way and, and understanding them a little better I was, I was telling Justin I listened to a podcast while I was running the other day with Cornell West mm. it was like 2010 Brother West 
And Brother West kept referring to Sister Sarah and Brother Glenn, meaning Sarah Palin and Glenn Beck. Ah. And then he would go on and say, are liars and thieves but there's still Sister Sarah and Brother Glenn. And I was like, and it like the Sister Sarah one wasn't actually as challenging me because I could accept that she's still a Christian even if I disagree with her on things. But Glenn Beck, who's a Mormon, and I think Mormonism is a cult. Like, I think it's a dangerous theology. Um, that's another, that's an interesting one because then I was listening to, because West does that with all religions. Hmm. Like, West doesn't use religion as a divine line. Like, he still sees the sort of this, even if you're outside of like the faith. You're still. I still have an obligation to you. Yeah. It's really good. And I'm at like mile Man, five, and I'm like, damn it, Cornell. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's huge. Like, I'm, I'm trying to uh, help. I, I don't have a lot of Muslim friends, but like with the way that I talk, I want to be a part of reclaiming the term jihad. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so do most Muslims, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, most Muslims do yeah. as well. But you still like I'm. In NPR, you hear people talk about, you know, like well, jihadis, jihadis, and like, oh, this is like a yep. this is a beautiful thing, you know, like this in its proper context, you know, like me taking care of my daughter is my jihad. jihad. That's right, right. Um, and I think that's really important, especially maybe well for me, especially for Christians, like to. Just stop hating. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, going back to like the, do you think it's that communities are more um, self-centered, or do, lately I've been thinking it's most people don't have very many deep relationships, and right. because of that, so because mm-hmm. the things I know is the people who have in, let's say, quote, invited people to our church. Uh, so, for instance, my wife who does not, she does not know what it means to have a. Uh, non-deep relationship she either just is not a friend of yours or she's a really good friend like mm-hmm. that's it she doesn't have in between she doesn't have acquaintances that's for sure she pretends but she's not good at it um, so she's met these two guys lately who she's become really 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 good friends with and I was watching I was like oh well naturally out of that they come to church because that's part of them being really good friends and even in my life the people I'm really really good friends with like even like Nick who I love and I'm really good friends with he's starting to just be like oh so You'd go to this thing every week and ask questions about it. And I've even had a friend who said, all right, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of that. And I know that I'm not going to be a good friend with you because I can't be a part of that. And which I thought was kind of cool too. Like, yeah, Yeah. you know what? You're really, you can only be so close and not be a part of that because it's so much of my life. And um, so I think that people don't have many deep relationships. We have some acquaintances and going to what Tim and Starfire, like what he would say is most people don't have many deep relationships, especially with people with mental disabilities. So if you don't have the deep relationships, you're not bringing them to the things that you're involved in, be it church or whatever else it is you do. Hmm. Sort of my thought, but yeah, we, we, uh, our friend Ashley and I had this conversation at breakfast. Like she's talking about, um, inside certain circles, like particularly for women. And I noticed with my wife, there is a divide, like women who are stay-at-home moms versus women who work have two very distinct sort of existences most of the time. Right. So for Kim, my wife's an example, when she gets off work at 4 o'clock, she actually, she's been at work all day, she wants to spend time with her family. Her peers that were stay-at-home moms at 4 o'clock when their sort of husband's going 5 o'clock, they've got to get out. Like, they've right. got to get away. And both of those are good and healthy responses to the pressures of work and family. And we were talking about how most of us tend to live inside of our existence and speak speak right. that existence generally. So whatever's true for me is generally true for everybody yeah, else. That's true. And then it's not that we're 
isolating people. It's not that anybody inside that group would say, oh, you're not welcome here if you're working. Right. Or you're not welcome if you're a stay-at-home mom. It's that I can only really speak from my experience and from my needs. And then and take circumstance. And then taking the next step to be able to at least empathize with somebody else's circumstances is a tremendous amount of emotional work for people. And it's hard to do. And so, but I think, and I was, I told her, I said, I think it's part of the, just the gig of, of pastoring, which I think everybody's called to is what does it mean to hear what the other person is really sort of saying? Like, what do they, what do they really need when mm -hmm. they say this? I need this sort of vulnerability. Or I need this sort of deep relationship. I need right. this. What does it mean to hear what they're really trying to get to? And, and we're like, nothing in our culture is actually structured towards that. Like nothing is structured towards right, right now. My wife and I have this conversation our lives work really well, but are all structured towards shallow relationships, especially with each other. Our work, our, we have an hour and a half a day maybe with each other, right? And by that time, we're both exhausted. Right. And so it is, it is, I think that there are gigantic, this is where I think, this is where I think social justice work starts to come in, not thinking about adults with disabilities or all these other things, but there are lots of people, all of them with the same basic needs that are not mm -hmm. being met, and then they lash out of that need by not being met in very distinct ways. And so yeah. how do you, if you're going to build a community, those are the kind of things. Then you can then say, oh, we have this thing that separates us, but we have this thing that sort of draws us together. What is this thing that we can all sort of agree? What's the agreed upon ground here? But it's a lot of work to think about, right? By the end of the day, I've got nothing left. And I, I watch TV and go, it's Brueggemann's thing. I watch TV so that I don't have to do anything else. Right. Like I numb myself. It's true. Um, what else do you do outside of, so you go to Echo mm -hmm. and you work at Starfire. Mm -hmm. So those are two very like, like ministry oriented things. Do you feel like that at Starfire? Um, well, I mean, in the sense that it's my jihad. Sure. <laughs> no, but in <laughs> like, the sense that like, but, man, you're really doing something more than just, you know, Hey, I'm going to work, but you're doing in a sense, I, I think loving people for, and I think for me personally uh it is a form of ministry but it's not not in this in the sense that you know it, it would be scary for some people to hear me say that because like i i work with people who have no interest in god right or, right or faith you know like and that's fine because mm -hmm. you have, have, an interest. have no interest in god <laughs> or faith too. but yeah and and but like you know, my, my work is, is still to connect right. that person with other people who uh, share their interests um, and, and can benefit from, from their abilities and their insights. Were you and there I, when there was a girl named Megan who was in, and she really was into Harry Potter, uh, like porn writing? <laughs> <laughs> that was, because, um, you know, anytime someone from Megan Starfire comes of, in. I mean, that never came up uh, in... <laughs> In conversation for me, uh, which I mean, you know, like Harry Potter porn is, is usually kind of a like erotica thing, I mean, writing, like right. that's um, no, because I don't, I always like to ask, word. oh, what your, you know, especially back in the day when everyone did their capstone Captain, project, yeah. we still do projects, um, so I always ask what people's capstone is, and I, I think it was Leah when Leah worked there, mm. and Leah was like, oh, you might not want to ask, I'm like, well, I'm gonna ask. <laughs> And she was started telling me, and she's like, "Well, Draco and Harry, I don't know if you know, but they oh love gosh, each other." They and I'm like, she "What?" And she's like, "Harry was not into girls. <laughs> the Jenny thing was just a front. Him and Draco, and that I was, that's sense, why Draco was always Jenny so angry no with him. Like, 
This makes so much sense. <laughs> like, I love hearing about it. She would mainly spend time with Harry and Draco, but then every now and then some of the other characters would bone, I guess, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, that's, that's amazing. But anyways, it's always fascinating to hear what people are, whether it's art or porn or whatever <laughs> else it can be. I, it's always fun. Like, man, you yeah. expect to hear that one. Um, that's, what, that's sort of the, the, one of the freedoms about, like, because if, if Starfire was a faith-based organization, you wouldn't be able to get that sort of creativity. And right. even if you're from the outside, like, ah, that's, a little, that's outside of my t- my wheelhouse. But there's something sort of freeing and then the freedom to be able to explore all things in that sort of context. The question you're asking, I was, uh, I was, I was sitting there thinking, I hated my job when I was a teacher the first year because you suck at it. Every first-year teacher sucks at teaching because mm-hmm. the learning curve is so steep. It, right. I actually consider like ministry in that there's no amount of schooling that's going to prepare you for this gig. It's just you've got to learn how to do it. You have to develop your own voice. Right. And I had a good mentor who was the cheesiest Christian you ever meet, met. Like He was the last, I think, of that big wave of evangelicals. And he's still a good dude, right. good husband, guy I look up to. He finally was like, "You have a, you have a day to day job that allows you to invest in 120 kids from a from from a background that don't have adults that only care about them." Mm. And why are you talking? about You're already in ministry, and it was the first time that I ever stopped and said the idea of like vocation versus calling or vacation versus mm-hmm. the, those kind of things. That there's a follower of Jesus, everything is a ministry, right? Um, and the amount of freedom that comes with that sort of mindset. So now I work as a cog in the biggest, like most evil corporation in the world doing things. Subversively, I get to be a follower of Jesus and a leader for Jesus inside this context where I get to say, yeah, yeah, this, but this, yeah, yeah, this, but this all the time. And it's one of the things I mean is I, I was telling somebody today that I think we're all sort of hitting the doldrums of middle age. Like you just mm-hmm. hit for 25 years. You get to, okay, this is next. This is next. This is next. This is next. Get married, have kids. You, get, you hit that line. And then you just wait to die. Right? right, that's that's how our culture sort of set up our lifespans, but that's not true if you're sort of working in sort of this idea where everything becomes a mission field, and right. pastors aren't the only right. missionaries. Pastors aren't the only ones doing ministry. Right, and especially I mean when you're talking about pastoral care earlier, as as you know, like it's easy to think of if you're a pastor that you're the preacher, but then other people also think then it's it's your job to be the one to go visit right. somebody in the hospital. Right. Or, or whatever but like that's bullshit i mean yeah. like it's cool that you get to do that and and it's important to prioritize those things right. and the, but like if nobody else in the church is doing that right then and the hard thing is is that seminaries have taught or brought or even churches who are spawning new pastors oh well this is your job this isn't everyone else's job you got to make sure you do the hospital college make sure you do the lessons and then you're doing your job and then because i think the scary thing about the growth of the church or where the church I think is evolving to to a place that is a biblical institution of higher learning is um, a lot of things that they've really capitalized on which is more pastoral care isn't really what your job is now I would say um, biblical literacy is what one of our biggest things that I felt like I got from college that oh this is what I have to offer I can point people in the right direction I can know things and yeah. teach about things, especially that's why all our sermons are more historical and and yeah, things right. like that. It's not, and there's certainly a um, responsibility that comes along with that because like I've I've been talking about with Steve about maybe doing a message uh, sometime down the road. I am not a preacher. Oh, yeah, well, you're, you're doing it on. Hold on, don't tell me. You would tell me because um, we talked about it. 
what was it? Uh, Mark chapter five. Oh yeah, the woman with the hemorrhage. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. And uh, and yeah, and man, it's such a great. I mean, we're talking. Well, I don't want to get started on that yet, but. <laughs> um, I'm not a preacher, though. I'm a conversation guy. Um, and one of the things that scares me about preaching is I don't just want to drop my opinion right. on, on people. And, you know, like, with that with that message, with that story... Just say that the Holy Spirit told you, and then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, like... I'm going to have to go into, like, here are some places where it kind of looks like we're dealing with religiously sanctioned misogyny. And I have a theory about that and the grander story of redemption uh, that, you know, like, that we have through Christ as individuals and as a people. Like, there's a reason, you know, like, circumcision is a male-centric sign of covenant. You know, like, that is that is something that, that was made available only to men. And that sucks. But it's something that, that God introduced. Um... Yeah, when we want to like clip the labias or something like that of women. I well, so that go stuff. through, go do, go through, do some basic like study on the the average woman in ancient Israel. She is pro- prohibited from going to the temple ten months of the year. Like given given her month, given her monthly cycle, and then the ex- expectation that you're having a baby every one and a half years. Yeah. Like it sort of works out that you're two thirds of your life you're not you're not allowed to go to the temple or worship. But it's yeah. this sort of like fascinating idea. Yeah. So th- and and there are these like. I don't like there are these things that are that are tough to talk about and think about and I and I have an opinion which opinion well just that like there's a reason that that God uh, hates women (laughs) there's a reason that uh, um, Christ replaced uh, circumcision as a sign of covenant Um, because like at the time that that was it's you know we, we talk about on a personal level Jesus meeting us where we're at and, and drawing us closer and that's a good thing but when we when he does it when God does that to a society says like you guys are crazy and super misogynistic I'm going to meet you there but you're coming with me mm. that's, it. that's good that would be Pope I'm reading Pope Benedict's book right now Pope Benedict would take that sort of tack on like the history of religion that that's that God allows people to move graciously yeah as, mm. as opposed to like dropping I mean we said it with um like one of the more, I remember being fascinated by the idea that once you come out of the Exodus, all the ways that the Israelites worship are the ways that the Egyptians home to worship. Like they worshiped like Egyptians. Mm-hmm. They built, uh, they, they had something. The Ark of the Covenant was even the idea of, oh, we need something to look at because that's how it was in Egypt. We've been Egyptians for 400 years. Mm-hmm. We need, and like that God's always, and like even how we do church now is an adaptation of, of the way that culture's done it. Like it's yeah. not like, the church has always followed suit with that. Like, okay, whatever's going on, we'll just adapt it to well, that. The love feast in Romans, like the communities gathering together, that, that wasn't uncommon for everyone to do. And well, we were talking today at breakfast about like preaching is going to have to die in its current model. It just the idea if I stand up on a Sunday morning and say to you and prove to you biblically some heart of you X Y Z is true. If you don't agree with that, you'll dismiss me. You won't. Huh, you won't true. change your mind. You but so what does it look like then to have a conversation? That doesn't drop. Here's the opinion, or here's the idea. Because I think it's that even if it's stronger than an opinion, people will still dismiss you if they disagree with you. Hmm. And we were using the we were using like heavy political topics today, um, which I, I will join you for a political podcast. 
Oh, you guys can fun. do one, and I'll just make jokes in the uh, background. But <laughs> look, my, know my input would be like, that's stupid. That's I'm like, for real, he thinks that? I didn't even know. That's the sort of where I'm at right For real? Now. I didn't even know. That's why I would be the whole time. But for real, I didn't even know. But it's yeah. weird because it's the one thing I dedicated myself to is getting better as a preacher. And in the back of my mind, I think that preaching is effective. Like, I might as well be up there sh- using smoke signals as a form of communication. Well, so I think it's becoming obsolete. Mike Frost, <laughs> Alan Hirsch, in 1994, wrote a book that changed my world called The Shaping of Things to Come. And it was about the Western world, even though they're Australians. Um, uh, about the western world and where it's going and one of its big things was um, the death of the mega churches uh, the rise of the smaller churches like a lot of things they predicted in 94 have really come to be but one of their big things was the death of the monologue sermon and their thing is unless you are a dynamic communicator he's like there's always dynamic communicators if you're a dynamic communicator you're fine but this idea that everyone every Sunday is given this mono, like monologue, a forty-five minute monologue, um, they saw the death. Now, but some of their predictions I didn't really agree with because they really put in like more technology, mm-hmm. and I think that's one place. And I'm sure since then these guys have they seem smart have revamped their thoughts. But it seemed like they jumped more in the technology wagon, um, and I think that's a lot of it. But there's also a lot of this sort of like more nature hiking like let's get away from it kind of ideas too and so would you say then that like peter preaching with boldness after the pentecost was another thing like like you know you mean his two-minute sermon (laughs) read that thing in two minutes (laughs) even with inflection (laughs) but i mean like that was that was something that was necessary in that time but even even that is but that that has a contextual that has a context where that was okay in the context where that happens there was a like culturally you would have guys stand up and expound on religious truth while right. the audience engaged and they'd engage well, back and there's forth there's always going to be a spot for you know well, would, take a yeah. president for example every now and then we hear him talk about something because something comes up you need to talk about but you don't hear him talking every day or every I, you know, he's Trump, speeches. Trump, Trump's a great example of somebody who is oh, said his speech on it was the worst thing I ever heard but, but I, I, he's a bad order we should have, the, the thing we, I think he's better I think what he's doing is sub, more subtle than we all think he is because he's so heavy handed sometimes Thatcher had this really good idea about the way Trump tells a story and he'll start with this nonsense right. and then dive in it like what he knows is a hot button issue then come back to the nonsense so and he that, does this up and down probably but no after but the he, Syria bombs he was reading the teleprompter and I'm like you're not even talking. Well, that's right not. Now. But his thing isn't. He his, sucked. His I was thing like, isn't speeches. His thing's communicating. Right. He's communicating using Twitter and in short bursts and those kind of things. Like he's more effect, he's more effective at communicating with his base like, maybe than any president we've seen in our lifetime. Um, it really is like a study, and because right. I actually that had this night theory. is the only actually that's the first time I've actually heard him speak since he won the presidency because I just don't pay attention. But I was like, oh, we dropped bombs on Syria. Wow. I was like, should we talk about this first? But I guess not. And like, so he, but his speech, what my fellow American speech was so like, he was reading the teleprompter and it wasn't, it wasn't like you saw the debates where he's all hot headed doing right. his thing. Because he was trying to be something he wasn't. He and was trying was to be presidential. Horrible. Yeah, I was still, like, I, he was trying to be he presidential. Got, he got his own language in there. Like, I can't imagine that. I only, I, to be fair, I listened about five minutes and yeah, checked yeah, it out. Yeah. No, what did he say? I, Stephen Miller is one of I, I, well I don't know if he's still in his good graces but he has been one of his primary speechwriters and uh, and if you can believe that he's had speechwriters but he has this line about like about babies about that we're doing children, children oh yeah babies. I heard I did I'm hear like, that uh, that's that 
that's that's you, man. Like that's Dude, him. That's right. Hit where like, because, yeah. Ah, oh, man. Did you hear the the what he ended that speech with though? He ended that speech with I didn't get to the end. God bless the entire world and God bless the United States of America. No president in American history has asked for, has ever asked for God to bless the entire world like that. Yeah. Interesting. That's why I wrote no. that for him, right? I don't know. I think I think he's got a base level like cultural Christianity that lets him just speak. Like he saw that on a bumper sticker. Well, that's, I can't yeah. believe it. That's it's hard uh, for me to believe. It's well. I'm sorry. The thing is, like the what was it? The third debate where they talked about late term abortion, um, and he his description of abortion was a C section. Right. Right. But. Um, but he fired he probably, up. He's probably done some yeah. literal abortions for the coat he, hanger. Amazing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> like who? Because <laughs> wow. I he, feel like that dude has probably knocked up a lot of chicks, man. Right. And he, I, right. That I, dude's I never done an honest day's work in his life. He might have paid some for somebody to get right. an abortion, but he didn't yeah. do it himself. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to speculate, <laughs> no, even though I have FBI privately speculated here. about this. Coat hanger <laughs> abortions from Trump, huh? <laughs> but um, but the thing. <laughs> that really frustrates me with that is like it was effective it totally worked um you know like my my parents are pro-birth and it won them over i am pro-birth and it really pissed me off because i think that there is a good argument to be made like louis ck's it. argument oh gosh <laughs> i think so, it's yeah, awesome like I they, love that he poked at both sides there yeah, and he, called them both to He did a great job with both sides, but because like, it's true, it's what he yeah. said is a hundred percent right. Yeah, um, yeah. The the whole thing about women should should be able to kill babies with like, I'm surprised he hasn't taken more flack for that yet. I think it's getting ahead it's, of yeah. steam right now. Yeah, but but like, the fact that like this is the person who was essentially tasked with or took on the you know, the responsibility of presenting the pro-birth argument to the nation, and he describes a C-section, It, but he uses very passionate rhetoric with it. Um, you know, my disconnect in all this is, and I, I think this is true with um, everybody our age, we've been so used to presidents since Bill Clinton catering to us hmm. that we forget that Donald Trump does not give a shit about anybody under the age of 40 because you don't vote. You don't pay any taxes. You're not in power anywhere. Man, I did all those things. Not to the level of the other people. Like, if you look across the board, man, he's not. And you know, Uh, I'm not arguing. You know why he won? Because old white people came out and voted for him, and black folks did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Those two factors explain it across the board. And right. And so so his speech patterns and his communication patterns are not aimed at us. They're not trying to talk to us because they Mm. because we're dismissed. And so it's this interesting thing that in the criticism, like, well, he just doesn't get it. He got it. He he's got something. He's figured out something. Now I, it's cynical, right? And it's it's, and I think it's too little, too late. I think it's the dying gasp of that particular political movement. They're having their death throes right now, um, and I think he's the last run at that. Man, this turned political way quicker than I thought it was going to. Yep. Do you think uh, we've had an uglier president? Serious question. Uh, I was trying to go through Steve the faces. Cannon was pretty. Oh, uh, like. Physically. Physically. Ugly. Abraham Lincoln is oh, not yeah, a good physically. looking man. This okay. is the most superficial question. <laughs> but this is what I think about in my Abraham head. Abraham Lincoln is not a good looking man. Oh, no, I thought he was. No, he is not. Yeah, I just picture him across, from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer. That dude was strapped. Across the board, re-description <laughs> of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, well, he had that He had that disorder where Shadow your bones yeah. grow. and Yeah. He would have died soon anyways. So. Um, uh, William Henry Harrison had a weird hairdo. Who was the one who was dying in a bathtub because he was fat? Taft. He didn't Taft. die in a bathtub. He was He's just too fat to get out of a bathtub. 
He's was he still attractive? Or, was he attractive, Fat Man, or no? I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> Come but, on! But he was—he wasn't. He wasn't. I think about it all the time. He wasn't like Jabba, Fat. He was just like he was just like a big, kind of happy looking he was, dude. He was rich, 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 but he was miserable. Like as the big present. Lebowski fat. Yeah. His, really, <laughs> if, if it had not been before women's suffrage, his wife probably would have been president. She was the one who pushed him into it. He hmm. wanted to. He wanted to be. Uh, uh, Supreme Court justice, which he eventually got, it, but like it, that was where he shined. It's interesting, and just to cycle back around to what we've been talking to all day. As soon as we start talking about politics, I have this like dual. I love it because it's a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. It's what I majored in. It was my original sort of career idea. Like that, these are, oh, cool. I, I I get into politics like you get in the movies. Same sort of like, and I treat it the same way. It's just a blood sport that I'm into. I'm there with both of you. But I also have this <laughs> gigantic. I could feel like anxiety rising right now because. Face to face, we have kind of this conversation. Even if we came to something we violently disagreed upon, because looking at each other face to face, it would be done in a way that says, oh, "Okay, we could get to the point. Like, we just disagree. Let's start with something else." Because it's forever, because it's immortalized and being distributed to other people who are going to listen outside of a context <laughs> and not look as face to face, not seeing we're joking about those other mm-hmm. things. I know that happens inside churches. Like I feel this tension to walk this line of not breaking well, my. Did you community. hear what they said on the podcast? Right, but not breaking the From community we've created over this other this. thing, mm-hmm. which has sort of been like I've yeah. had. This is a conversation I've been having myself lately about my my presence on social media and those kind of things as well, because I know that those. What I discovered is that people thought things about me behind my back that they weren't saying to me to my face, and it gave me this significant like like anxiety all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, because I would never do that. Right. I, if, I, if I disagree I with you, I would just go talk to you because it's just a sport. I, we can debate politics in the same way that I can debate about why I love the Bengals over the Steelers or whatever it is because I treat them all the same. Right. But ultimately, it's because I'm a conspiracy theorist that believes the Illuminati is running everything. And I don't think there's much of a difference between, Bill, between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I don't really mean that. But ultimately, deep down in my core, when I get down to things, I think the difference has become pretty gray. And... Uh, and that's the, the most inflammatory thing I could say. The Illuminati. <laughs> My kids are rolling with the Illuminati lately, so we turn around. I really sat and dedicated a lot of time to picturing the classroom and all the president's faces, and I was like, which one's the ugliest? <laughs> that's really what I sat there and thought. There's one who looks like Alec Baldwin. Who? Um, I love Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I think it was Fillmore. He's handsome man. Miller Fillmore. I never thought that in my life. I've never looked at a man and thought, handsome man. Really? I'm not, Honestly. Saying, I'm not criticizing, but it's just not something I No, would, I don't never, mind the criticism. Never I, the just, picture, I, would never. I always feel like I have the ability to tell who's handsome and who's not. I'm like, oh, you're a good looking guy. Yeah, I don't like. I look, I giant man crush on Dave Grohl. Like, I yeah, like, that's oh, yeah. you like him, not right, like I like him. Looks, because he's not the most handsome guy. He's become more handsome as he's. He's pretty good looking dude. Hair, for, though, that luscious hair. He's pretty good looking so dude for 45. Yeah, yeah, as he's matured he, too. He's living a rock and roll lifestyle, I feel like he's aged out pretty well. He's no Axl Rose, right? Although, like, really, visually, they've just turned into a christian rock band like that's what Sonic, they look like sonically now. as well I mean, yeah yeah they like he I didn't finish uh sonic highways I, I did and i think they're the greatest band of my life so i love the food uh, Fighters more than I anything um i i have i have thought since their third album this dude is sneaky christian i thought this dude has some sort of christian influence in background he's christian. one of the only like pot like rock bands that i've said Oh, I could take that song and use it as a worship song with just a little bit of like a couple of words here and there. Him not and Springsteen. To, not <laughs> the reason, but who was that? Is that Linkin Park? Oh, Linkin Park had a couple was songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Linkin Park, when they dropped their like rap metal thing, yeah. I was like, you're being produced by the same dude producing Chris Tomlin. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, this is clearly, there's one song that's got an organ part the whole time, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is a worship song. You're not fooling me. There's a girl who works at the salon next door, like, comes in all the time, has got like, all these cool tattoos, and she's like, always fun to joke with. Nothing at all about it. I ever screamed anything like evangelical. And then there's a quote tattoo. I was like, oh, that's a quote. She's like, it's a Need to Breathe song. I was like, isn't that a Christian band? She's like, yeah, I listen to a lot of like Christian music. I was like, oh. I was <laughs> like, you're suddenly not as cool to me anymore as I you were. There, there are. I did like Need to Breathe as a Christian I never heard of them. I mean, I, I've, I don't heard I've them. never heard them. They do it like a. The, so their first album was produced by Ed Roland from Southern from um, Collective Soul. Okay. And they sound like a late '90s Southern rock alternative band. Dude, I recently re-listened to Going Public, the Newsboys, like '94 record. Wow. Does that have and Breakfast that, Club on it? No, no, no. Uh, There's a uh, Shine on it. Yeah, it has Shine on it. Oh, and I love Shine. The crate, like, That's like it the best sound, one. For one thing, it's like before. CCM really had money mm. and it sounds like it's supposed to be a New Order record. Like it mm. sounds like it's supposed to just carry on from Republic but it's nowhere near. You know, it's huh. just not. But I love Steve Taylor. Like Steve mm. Taylor's writing is so our worship, Let him wonder what our worship leader came up Sunday and told me and Kim is like, hey, have you guys heard of Toby Mac? Like, yeah. Toby Mac is back He's like, I'm going to see Toby Mac Sunday night. Oh. Uh, the thing about Toby Mac though that dude okay so it was true in, it was true in 2005 I don't know if it's uh-huh. true since then dude has a stage show dude has a stage show and his musicians oh, sure can play is. like high energy high entertainment I'm sure like along the lines in 2005 he felt like watching Justin Timberlake live dancing singing full like lights and sound oh, and like crazy. stage presence I have no desire to ever go see him or have you ever dance. heard the Christmas song that he did with Owl City no oh, it's no. so bad uh, in my sort of cynicism I checked out of all Christian music oh, so I listen man. to none of it oh no. it's so terrible but you should just just for the enjoyment of the pain <laughs> you need I can't remember what it's called but if you just you know Owl City Christmas song he has he he he, he does rapping in it and love white guys rapping yes yeah, and one of the lines is for the people who don't have it so good like <laughs> Awesome. It's so awesome. Terrible. I can't do it, man. Oh man. I, I always feel bad for how much l- how little I know of like modern worship music. Modern I'm so because Monty well, yeah. our worship leader is constantly finding new songs, introducing him, and I'm really thankful that he does that work. Yeah. I just never want to listen to him, man. Oh I would if, I would still just deal. do hymns. There's there uh, yeah. I mean they're great. Or things. I just there's like the things I know. Same I'm like it with all music. I like things I know. I mean it's tough to like Yeah, it's being I don't know. Uh, like there's way to it's overwhelming thinking about trying to get back into Christian music. <laughs> well, my and my thing is the most of the music I listen to is relatively dark. Like I grew up cutting my teeth on like metal and grunge. There isn't a go. There like isn't a Christian. K. Yes, well, and but there just isn't a Christian equivalent to that kind of stuff. And maybe and, there shouldn't be. Maybe well, like, and I just dude, think that yeah. there's. I know this is super cheesy, but there is just Christian in all the music I hear. Like there's so much. I hear yeah. that's not Christian that I'm like oh I'm, it's so good and so yeah. brings life and brings well it's, it's cliche yeah. but it, this is it's the only art it's the only field in the world where we expect a Christian subgenre based on based on content so we don't listen to jazz music because it's lyrical content jazz music is a musical style blues is a musical style heavy metal is a musical right. style country bluegrass all across the board are styles of music with wildly varying lyrics only in Christian music do we take all the styles and combine them into one and separate it out by content. Right. Whereas what I want to hear is I want to hear Christians doing blues well and I want to hear Christians doing metal well and or, doing jazz but well. But like, there is 
Christianity in the dark and the brooding oh, yeah. of music. Yeah. Like that's the is that not the Psalms? I mean, that's N.T. Right. Wright's the thing. Lamentation. Is Christianity collapses into like pop sentimentalism or Syrupy's like sentimentalism too right. often. And we can stop talking about. But like I even heard someone tell me Eminem the other day. Like he had this one line where he's like talking about like what he's doing to bitches and hoes but then there's a line right after that's like so redeeming about this is all I know and it's yeah. like oh man what a good oh, what thought was I, behind it what was I listening to the other day that I thought and I actually thought about my family who like talks about rap music and how violent it is to women oh it was a Beatles song and the yeah. song effectively said Run for your life like if I come home and there's a if I come home and there's another man here I'm gonna kill you was the essential like message you, of the song. Catch you talking to that boy again. Yeah, it, but it was this down. pop song and I was like, my parents. Love, or you, that's you can't do that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. my parents love the Beatles. It would never would never talk about the cultural degradation of white people for listening to this violent music. Right. But let let Tupac say the same thing and they lose their minds about black people. <laughs> right. And uh, and it's just this weird man. sort of. Again, it goes back to. I'm really good at pulling things back to my right. It goes back to how we define our communities, right? We don't criticize our own community. Right. We look for ways to understand and explain and, and realize. But outside communities or other communities, we don't know how to contextualize. Yeah. And they I have think, to be defined as the I other. think I'm just getting old where I don't care about things anymore. I'm like, yeah, it's all fine. It's all... So, if you... <laughs> That's how I am. I'm like, yeah. You should Why are you so mad about anything? Why does nothing... Everything's... Jesus loves it all. Well, uh, it is... One of my mantras is people are cute. Right. Yeah, like if I start getting pissed about something, I'm just like, you know what? People are cute. Right. And it's why I said in a sermon that day, it's like, you know what? Jesus doesn't love you any more than he loves anyone else, and you don't love him more in, than anyone else. So mm. just calm the fuck when down. We used to play, we used to play music. <laughs> Remember that, and it's all good. Like people getting fights at the bar we played in, and my guitar player would be like, other people's kids, man. <laughs> other people's kids. <laughs> and that was our battle cry for people acting out. Somebody else's kids, man. <laughs> Hey, that's our longest podcast yeah. ever, I think. We should probably uh, wrap it up. I, I think, the, I was just looking at my phone, I think Goddamn Gallows already came and uh, left. We wanted to go, yeah. see. Oh, I was looking up their tour dates and I don't see the Newport, yeah. Kentucky one on here anymore. I get that Aww. song stuck in my head. And, it's catchy! And, yeah, and, like, you know, I'll just, like, mindlessly sing stuff no, like all the time. <laughs> and, like, I'll change lyrics of songs to be about my daughter or or something. Not and, that one. And so, like, <laughs> y'all yeah. motherfuckers need Jesus. Y'all motherfuckers need Jesus. Y'all motherfuckers need Jesus.